Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. So good to see you here today. We're glad that you came this morning to uh, worship with us on this uh, wonderful Christmas Eve. Uh, just a couple quick announcements before we uh, move forward. Uh, first of all, this afternoon, we will be having two candlelight services. Uh, the first one will begin at 4, and then the second one will begin at 6. Uh, so we invite you and your family, your friends, uh, to come to those. It's a very special time as we come together as a family and we continue the celebration uh, of our birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful and for the Christmas holidays. I love the Christmas holidays. I love everything that it's about. But most of all, I am thankful for the gift that God gave us in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so that's why we celebrate. That's why we're here today. Uh, that's why we'll be here this afternoon. And we invite all of you to come and be a part with us. It'll be family services uh, at both of those times. So you can choose the one that you want to come to. All right, if you would, grab your Bibles this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. You know, as we go through the Christmas season, there's all kinds of things that are happening. There's parties going on. There's celebrations everywhere. But when you turn on your television set, you can always find a good Christmas movie. So I want to know today, how many of you have your, your favorite Christmas show that you'd like to watch every year? Raise your hand. All right, a lot of you. There's a lot of folks that have their favorite Christmas show, and so I wanted to do a little survey today, and I wanted to find out what the top Christmas show is within this group. So here's how we're going to do it, okay? And I need you to participate, or this is going to be a flop, make me look bad and all that. So it's, it's all on you. But on three, I want all of you to yell out your favorite Christmas movie that you love to watch every year. All right, ready? Everybody got it? Here we go. One, two, three. Y'all did a great job. Matter of fact, y'all did so good that I don't even know what y'all said because it was all just mumbled up here. But there are great Christmas movies. Some have been around for a while. Some that are fairly new. Uh, some of the movies that people like are It's a, Chris, uh, or a Christmas Story. Uh, how about National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation? Always one of the tops. Cousin Eddie, you know, you just can't beat him. Um, for some, It's a Wonderful Life. And for some, it's the all-time favorite classic, Elf. Elf. How many of you have watched the movie Elf? It's been a long time since I watched Elf, and it came on recently, and I thought, well, I'll sit here and watch it again. And you know the story of Elf. Buddy uh, was transported to the North Pole as a baby, and he was raised by the elves. And as he grew up, he realized that there was something different about him, like he's six foot tall and the elves are three foot tall. He knew that he was different. And so the papa elf decided to let him know that, hey, you were adopted. Uh, your dad lives in New York City and he's a children's book author. And so Buddy, in all of his elf attire, goes to New York City to find his dad. And as he goes to New York City, he's trying out some new things. And, you know, the famous part of the movie is he eats spaghetti. And the way he eats it, it's, it makes me want to eat spaghetti that way. And, uh, and he gets a job at the newsroom and his dad's business. And he creates all kind of chaos down there. But towards the end of the movie, Buddy the Elf actually saves Christmas. 
And it, it's an incredible uh, story, right? And we know that it's not true that, you know, you can't have a six-foot-tall guy hanging out with elves because uh, the building wouldn't be made for that, right? So we know that there's some things in there that aren't true about the story. But as you watch the story and you look at all the different characters in the story, you see that they all have a different perspective, if you would, or a different outlook towards Christmas, have a different attitude towards Christmas. For Buddy, his response towards Christmas was enthusiastic joy. As a matter of fact, he had such enthusiastic joy that it was rubbing people the wrong way. Uh, He was so excited about Christmas with that joy that he had, and to some it was annoying. But to Buddy's father, his was fear. He was afraid that he was about to lose his job, and so he was having to work extra hard. He really didn't have time for Christmas. And now he's also got frustration because this man-child has now come into his life and is creating all kinds of havoc. For Buddy's half-brother, he, he was kind of sad. He was a little bit disappointed around Christmas time because his dad wasn't around. His dad was working, and, and there really wasn't a joy of Christmas there for them. And for uh, Buddy's stepmom, she uh, was really frustrated for Christmas. And there was all these different ways that they were looking at Christmas and all the different responses that each one had. And it just brings back a reality that for people all around us, they will have different responses for Christmas. And even in this room, we all have different responses towards Christmas. What, what is it that we get out of Christmas? Well, how are we responding this year? Well, we've taken the last several weeks and we've looked at different responses of people towards Christmas that we see in the Christmas story. And today we're going to be looking at Joseph and his response in this Christmas story. Looking at Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, and as we consider this part of the Christmas story today, I want us to consider our own response to Christmas. For a moment, if it's possible, I want us to just kind of put away, put aside the events of this weekend, to put aside the family gatherings that we're going to have, to put aside the parties that we're going to have, the food that we're going to have, and focus on the Christmas story, the true meaning of it, and how it applies to our life and what our response is. So somehow, for a few moments, if we can forget about the Christmas tree, forget about the gifts that are under the tree, forget about all the lights and all the different things, and let's focus in on the Christmas story. And let's ask ourselves this question today, what is my response to the Christmas story? Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 18. Would you stand with me this morning as we read God's Word together? Beginning in verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this time of studying your word together. God, we thank you for your word that is powerful, your word that challenges, your word that convicts. God, your word that comforts. And I pray that today that your word in this place would accomplish what you have set forth for it to accomplish today, that our hearts would be ready for what you have for us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. You know, when a couple gets engaged, it is usually an exciting time in their life. And it's not just an exciting time for the engaged couple, but it's an exciting time for their close friends and for their family as they begin to plan the big wedding celebration that is coming. They begin to plan all the parties that are going to take place before and after. They begin to plan all the events of that wedding. Now Mary and Joseph live in a small town. And they are engaged to one another. And in Jewish tradition, the marriages were arranged and the husband would have to pay a large sum of money to the bride's father so that he could marry her. Now I love that part. And I'm still waiting on my son-in-laws to pay up. They still owe me big, right? I got, had three daughters, so there's a large sum of money that's supposed to be coming my way. But that's the way that it was then. And back in the day, when a couple was engaged, they were actually in a legal contract at that point. It was almost as good as being married. But the couple was to spend that year of engagement apart. They would go away and they would begin to prepare for the marriage. So the groom, he would go and he would build a house for his wife so when they got married that she could come in and they would have this home together. For the bride, she was getting ready, making all the preparations, making herself ready for the groom. And this is an exciting time. It would have been an exciting time for them. But it was during this time, as all the preparations are going on, that Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Kind of puts a halt on everything. Things have now changed. He finds out that she is pregnant and he knows that he is not the father. And now Joseph finds himself in a pickle. He finds himself in a pickle and he's got to figure out what to do. How many of you like baseball? In baseball, you'll find people that end up in a pickle. It's usually when a base runner decides he's going to go on to the next base and he finds out that he's not going to make it and now he doesn't know which way to go, he doesn't know which way to turn and they're chasing him with the ball and usually the only way out for that runner is for a miracle to take place. That somebody overthrows the ball and then he might be able to run on and be safe on base. But I can't tell you how many times I've watched people in a pickle, didn't know what to do and they made a wrong choice because really there was nothing for them to do. Well, Joseph in the story is now in a pickle. 
And he's trying to figure out what he needs to do. How does he need to respond to this situation? He is now in a crisis. And it looks like an impossible situation. Now, Scripture does not say, but I think we can safely assume that Joseph at this time would have been going through many different emotions. I'm sure that he probably felt angry, felt betrayed, he felt frustrated, he felt the hurt, he felt the pain, he felt the humiliation, and he felt the embarrassment. There were probably other emotions in there that would add on to all of that that we don't know about. But he's wondering, what is going to happen? What happens to all of these things that we have planned? And now everything is different. Everything has changed. Now I'm in this crisis. Life is not turning out as he had hoped for, as he had planned. And this is a good reminder to us that life does not always go as planned. Sometimes we can be going through life, everything looks normal, we're happy, everything is going great, and then all of a sudden something happens and everything turns, everything changes in our lives and we find ourselves in a crisis. And that's where Joseph is at this time. Now Joseph in this impossible situation has some decisions that he needs to make. And I wonder today, if you were in Joseph's shoes, how would you respond? What would you do? What is the decision that you would need to make? Now, while we're not given a full list of emotions that Joseph went through, there is one emotion that we do see in this passage. Look back at at verse 20, if you would. And in verse 20, as the angel shows up to Joseph in his dream, notice what he says. He says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now I find this very interesting because throughout the Christmas story, we see times where the angel shows up. We saw where the angel showed up and talked to Mary. And when the angel showed up and appeared before Mary, it says that uh, Mary was afraid. And I think uh, that's just a gentle way of putting that Mary was terrified when she saw the angel before her. But when the angel stood before Mary, the angel said, Mary do not fear. And what the angel was saying, that I'm here, I've got a message from the Lord, don't fear. You don't need to be afraid of me. And when the angel showed up to the shepherds that were in the field to announce the birth of Jesus, what did the angel say to the shepherds? Fear not. Because I come to give you a great message. But when the angel talks to Joseph, the angel is not saying, don't fear me. Fear not, you know, I'm standing here before you. Don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid to marry Mary. Don't be afraid to enter into this relationship of marriage that you guys have already started. So the question then comes up, well, what all would Joseph have had to be afraid of to marry Mary? Let's say Mary too many times. To be engaged To marry was to mean that he was going to marry Mary. So that's where we're at. And the angel says, don't be afraid to marry her. Well, let's think about the crisis that Joseph finds himself in in this wonderful story. All that Joseph knows at this point of the story is that Mary, the one that he is engaged to, the one that he is going to marry and spend the rest of his life with, he knows that she is pregnant and he knows that he is not the father. 
Now that would be heartbreaking and scandalous in any culture, but especially in their culture at that time. And now Joseph knows and is probably at the point where others in the community know what is going on. Again, they live in a small town. So I'm sure that by now the small town gossip is going. You can imagine the stories that are probably starting to spread as news begins to move that Mary is pregnant. And so Joseph has a decision that he needs to make. And it won't be an easy decision. And he's weighing out all of his options. And by the way, none of his options are good options at this point. Option number one would be to go ahead and go through the marriage with Mary. Now if he does this, then publicly he is saying that I am the father of this child. And people are going to look differently at him. And people are going to be saying things about him. And we don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but what we do know is we see in this passage that Joseph was a righteous man. And Joseph would have had a good reputation among the people. And so Joseph, this righteous man with a good reputation, is not going to follow through with the marriage. For whatever reason, he decides that that's not the way that I want to go. So option one is now off the table. So option two would be to publicly divorce her. Again, remember, they're in a legal binding contract, so to get out of it, there has to be a legal way out. And he could divorce her publicly. Now, if he divorces her publicly, then this would be showing everyone that Mary has committed adultery. And the law of Moses gives the penalty for adultery during this time, and that was stoning. Remember when the woman was caught in adultery and they dragged this woman in front of Jesus. Of course, it was a trap for Jesus, but they drag her before Jesus. And as they get her before Jesus, they say, this woman has been caught in adultery. And the law of Moses lets us know that if she is caught in adultery, then we must stone her. And so that is the option. If he brings that out, then there is a death penalty that would be upon Mary. And so Joseph, being a righteous man, decides upon option three. And option three is to quietly divorce her. Now, I'm not sure exactly how a quiet divorce would work, but I'm guessing that whatever the legal proceeding is, there would just be very few people that would be involved and that would know. And so Joseph, loving Mary, he didn't want to disgrace her. He didn't want to throw her out there. But he couldn't go on with the marriage because this is not his child. And so... Joseph has decided that that's the way he's going to do it. He's going to take option three. And as he's pondering this, he goes to sleep. And while he's asleep, this angel appears. And this angel says, wait up, dude. That's Dave's version, by the way. Hold up. Hold up, Joseph. There's more to the story. You don't know the whole story. And so the angel begins to explain what is going on to Joseph. And he's letting Joseph know that there's a bigger story here. There's a bigger plan that you need to know about. And it is okay. Do not be afraid to go through with this marriage. Because this is God's plan in action. Do not be afraid to continue on because God is up to something big. Now on this side of the Christmas story, we look at that and we go, God was up to something big, right? I mean, the birth of Jesus Christ is a huge thing. It is a great miracle. And remember, Joseph is in a pickle. The only way out is for a miracle to happen. And guess what? The miracle is coming. 
And, and the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And so Joseph, at that point, listens to the angel. And he says, all right, I'm in. Again, Dave's version. Sometimes you've got to read between the lines to see some of these things. But it says that when he woke up, he did as the angel said. So keep in mind, this was not just an ordinary dream. This was a very powerful dream. Because when Joseph went to sleep, he would have had that fear. He would have had all those different emotions that we can assume that he had. All that was there when he went to sleep. But when he woke up, all of that was now gone. Why? Because he had an encounter with God through an angel where God revealed what he was up to. And it gave Joseph the confidence that he needed to follow through with what he needed to do in God's plan. Now through the story and the obedience of Joseph, there are a few things that we can take away that I think can apply to each one of our lives today. Each one of our lives, when we find ourselves in a crisis, there are things that we can remember when things are going great in our life. The story of Joseph and looking at his response to Christmas, I think brings value to each one of us today. The first thing that I want you to see through this is that Joseph was able to see God at work through the impossible situation. Joseph contemplating what he needed to do. I wonder, as Joseph was running through this in his mind, if he ever sat back and thought, God, why me? God, I'm a righteous man. God, I've tried to do everything that I'm supposed to do. Why me? Why am I in this situation? Why is all this happening to me? Have you ever been there? Where you sit back and say, God, why? Why is this happening in my life? What did I do wrong? God, why did you allow this? But listen closely. When the angel appeared in the dream, the message was simply this. That Joseph, I am in this. Again, that's not the words that the angel said, but that's the message that the Lord is sending. Joseph, you don't need to be afraid because I am in this. And can I just say that whatever it is that you may be facing in your life today or whatever it is that you may face in the future, no matter what it was that you faced in the past, God is, was, and will be in it. And I think that's a message that sometimes we need to be reminded of. Because when we find ourselves in a pickle, <laughs> when we find ourselves in a crisis and it looks like there is no way out, sometimes we feel all alone. Sometimes we feel like, man, everything's hopeless. What did I do? I don't deserve that. Why am I going through this? And it's always good for us to be reminded that God is in it. Isn't that good news? I love that word, Emmanuel. God is with us. That means that God is in it. Listen, this was not just some kind of uh, accident that happened that all of a sudden now God's trying to clean up a mess. No, this mess, the way it looks to us at this point, was all part of God's master plan. And sometimes the messes in our life look like the world is coming to an end, but God is working even through the messes in our life. Listen to this. Sometimes God's greatest work in our lives or in the lives of his people is disguised by an impossible situation when the situation looks impossible god is usually working 
the greatest. Think about this. When Moses was leading the people out of captivity and they came up to the Red Sea. Remember, they're standing before the Red Sea. There's nowhere to go. It's an impossible situation. And they're going, did God lead us here to die here? Is this where God wants to take us out? They, they saw no hope. They saw that there was no way out. But God was working in that situation. Remember what happened? The sea opens up. And they cross on dry ground. And as soon as they get to the other side, the sea collapses back in and takes out the army that's trying to take them out. God was at work in the impossible situation. Think about the story of Jonah. Jonah was running from God. Jonah had turned his back. He said, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going in the opposite direction. And God's like, okay, I'm still at work here. I'm still in control. So what happened? Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. And he's in the belly of that fish for how many days? Three days. You talk about an impossible situation. Can you imagine what that smelled like? And I mean, Jonah's probably sitting in there going, man, I blew it. I really blew it. There is no way out of this one. I'm a goner. And yet for three days, he got to sit in there and think about it. And then all of a sudden, that fish spits him out up on the beach. And all the people on the beach went, what's that smell? Again, Dave's version. You won't find that written in Scripture. But, but what happened? Jonah turned around and he did what God wanted him to do. God was at work in that impossible situation. And in your impossible situations in your life, God is at work. Think about the story we looked at a couple weeks ago. Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had been praying for a child. But now they're old. But as the story goes, God answered their prayer. Even at an old age, when they thought it was hopeless, when they thought it was all over, it was too late for them, God was still at work in the midst of it. And God provided them a child, but not just any child. God did something much bigger than what they even thought or what they even planned on. And the Son that He gave them was the forerunner of Jesus Christ that showed the world, there He is. That's the one. So it's in those impossible situations where God is working and He is working stuff up bigger and better than what we thought. Joseph's in an impossible situation. Little did he know what God was up to. Even after the angel appears, I really don't know that he knew exactly what God was up to. But Joseph saw God at work in the impossible situation. Secondly, Joseph trusted God's plan. Joseph trusted God's plan. It says when Joseph woke up, he went out and did as the angel told him to do. Joseph now is like, okay, I trust the plan. And again, it's, he, he doesn't see the big picture. He doesn't know everything that's going to happen. But he trusts God's plan. Joseph and Mary had their plan. Their plan was in motion. Their plan was already in action as preparations were being made. Their plan was going well, but God steps in and says, wait, I've got a different plan. I've got another plan. And this plan is going to be a whole lot better than your plan. And Joseph is like, okay, I, I believe that Joseph at this point was probably going, what's up? I mean, that's what I would have been doing. I, I, I get it. God, I understand you got a plan and I'm willing to follow it, but what, what's really up with all this? How's this going to play out? How's this going to look? But none of that mattered at that point because Joseph was following God's plan. These events, again, that we read in the Christmas story were not by mistake. God had a plan 
all along for Joseph and Mary. And just as God has a plan for Joseph and Mary, He's got a plan for each one of us. And the question that we should ask today is, God, what is your plan for me? Are you living God's plan for your life or are you living your plan for your life? And can I tell you this, God's plan for our lives is usually a whole lot better than what our plan for our life is. We put plans together and we can come up with some great plans and we have our direction that we want to go and sometimes God wants to step in and go, wait a second, I've got a different plan. Are we willing to do like Joseph did and say, okay God, I'll follow that plan. Let me put my plans aside. I'll follow your plan. Are we willing to do that? Will we do that in our lives? Joseph was willing to follow God's plan. The question is, will we follow God's plan when it doesn't make sense? Will we follow God's plan knowing that sometimes His plan is hard and we're going to have to completely depend on Him and trust in Him? That's where Joseph was. And then the third thing, I want you to see this. He not only followed the plan, but he obeyed God. This is the key. Joseph obeyed God. And what God had told him to do, he's like, okay, that's what I will do. Joseph is made aware of God's plan, and now he has a choice to make. And I believe that Joseph did have a choice to make that day. I believe that Joseph could have looked at that and said, nope, I've built my reputation. I want to keep my reputation. I'm going to continue on with my plan. I'm going to go my way. Some will argue that and say Joseph didn't have a choice. He didn't have that. But I, I believe he had a choice. And he made the choice to follow God's plan. But let's think about this for a moment. What if Joseph would have said, no, I'm going to go my own way. No, I'm still going to follow my plan. If Joseph would have chose that, he would have missed out on the greatest miracle this world has ever known in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He would have missed out on being the earthly father of God Himself, Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about this, the angel shows up and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And by the way, part of the plan is you're going to get to raise Jesus. That would have been another good time to say, fear not. I mean, you're going to be responsible for God here on this earth as a child. And he, at 12 years old, he's going to get lost. He's, Jesus wasn't lost, but the family thought he was. They lost him. They're walking down. They're like, where's Jesus? You seen Jesus? I haven't seen Jesus. You've seen Jesus? No. And they've lost it. Can you imagine the panic? How do you explain that one? Dear Lord, <laughs> there seems to be a problem. Your son, your one and only begotten son, is missing in action. So, uh, good time to fear not, right? But here's this plan. Here's what God is calling Joseph to, and Joseph obeys. He says, yes, Lord, I will follow your plan. I will obey you. And through this, Joseph didn't miss out on all those things. Joseph was in the middle of all those things. He was right in the middle of God's big plan. God's big picture. Where God is going to send His Son into this world to be the Savior of the world. 
I am sure that Joseph is so glad that he did not say, no, not me. Choose somebody else. But it would have been easy to do because if I'm in Joseph's shoes at this point, I'm going to be questioning, God, why me? I mean, out of all the people in this world that you could choose to be the earthly father of Jesus, why would you choose me? There's so many people that could do it better than I can. There's so many people that are a whole lot more equipped than I am. There's so many more people that, that have the knowledge, have the understanding, and can do this better than I can. But God's plan was for this carpenter to be the father of Jesus. He's never been a father before. He doesn't know how to take care of a baby. How's he going to pull this off? And let me remind you of this. Whatever God calls us to do, He will equip us to do. Joseph didn't have to go through any parenting class of how to raise God's one and only son. He didn't write a book afterwards because there's not going to be another one. He didn't have to do that. All he had to do was trust God and follow God's leading in his life. And the same is so true for us. Usually what God calls us to do in our life is so much bigger than we are. And it gets us out of our comfort zone. Joseph, I am sure, was out of his comfort zone. Are people going to talk about him? You bet they are. Are people going to uh, probably distance themselves from him? Probably. Are people going to say things that are hurtful? Probably. Is there going to be times that he's going to have to pick his family up and run because of their safety? Probably, yes. His life is going to be totally different. It's not going to look the way that he had pictured for it to look. But God protected them. God took care of them. God blessed them. And God equipped them. You may be saying in your life, God's wanting me to do this, but I'm not knowledgeable enough. I'm not qualified. I don't have the tools that I need. And all God wants from us is to say, okay, God, I'll be obedient to you, and I will follow you. That's what Joseph did. And that's what we each need to do in our lives. So again, I ask the question, what is your response to Christmas? When you think of this wonderful Christmas story, what is your response? Again, we've looked at just a few of the characters in the Christmas story. We've looked at their response. And as you look at the entire Christmas story, there's a whole lot more people that we could pull out. There's a whole lot more folks involved that we could look at their life and their example. But I want to remind you today, or inform you in case you didn't know, that you are one of the characters in the Christmas story. You may not be one, or I'm sure you're not, one that was written about, that we read about in the Bible. But you are part of the Christmas story. Because John 3.16 tells us that, where it says, For God so loved the world, that He gave us His one and only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him. Guess what? We're the whosoever's. In that story, we're the ones that now have a decision to make on how we're going to respond to Christmas. Can I just say that the decision is easy, it's simple, just to say, yes, Lord.
Yes, Lord. I believe and I receive. And I trust you. Listen, you can place your trust and faith in all kinds of things in this world. Every one of them will eventually disappoint you and let you down. God will never disappoint you. He will never let you down. You can trust Him. How do I know that? Because anyone who is willing to give up His one and only Son for folks that would reject Him, turn their back on Him, anyone who would give up their one and only Son for those who would even turn to Him and love Him is someone that you can trust. The beautiful, the wonderful Christmas story. How will you respond today? Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about that question. What is your response to the Christmas story? And today, if God is speaking to your heart, maybe you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior. And if God is speaking to your heart, and He's drawing you to, your, to Himself, today, would you just say yes to Him? Would you say, yes, Lord, today... I want to follow you. I believe that your son came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for me. I see the plan. And today, I want to be a part of that. I want to follow that plan. Would you say yes to him today? Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for many years. I pray that this would just be an encouragement to you, a reminder to you of God's wonderful love for you. You see, we don't celebrate all the parties, all the gifts, all the lights. We don't celebrate that today. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you today again for your word. Thank you for this beautiful story. God, thank you for your wonderful love for us. And God, I pray in this moment right now that we would each just know your presence. God, you would wrap your arms around us today as we celebrate this wonderful story. And I pray for any person here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that right now they would just feel your love and they would be drawn to you. And today they would say, yes, yes, Lord. I trust your plan and I follow you. God, I pray for Others, it just may need some encouragement today. God, I know sometimes Christmas is a difficult time because of changes in our lives and maybe the loss of someone. But God, I pray today for those that they would just know your comfort and your peace. And God, I pray that as we celebrate through this season, that we would have hearts full of joy. Not joy that comes from anything in this world, but joy that comes from you and knowing you. God, we thank you and we love you because you first loved us. And it's in the name of Christ that I pray. Amen. Amen.